Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I think sometimes in real estate investing, you got to realize who you are and, and who you aren't. And that's a great deal for someone else. It's just, I'm looking forward to transitioning out of it just because it's been challenging to manage from that far away. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Tim Shiner, how you doing, Tim? Joe, thanks for having me on. And I'm excited about being interviewed by Red Raider. Guns up. That's right. Guns up. I appreciate that. And for any best ever listener who's like, what is a Red Raider? Texas Tech, baby. That's where I went to school. That's what Tim's referring to. All right. A little bit about Tim. He specializes in high-end rentals in the Dallas market. And we're going to talk to him about that because that is a bit different from what we come across. He has 153 doors with 19 of them being high-end residential and the rest of them being multifamily you can say hi to him at his website, which is his name, timshiner.com, and that's in the show notes link. With that being said, Tim, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So thanks for having me on, and thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm 51 years old. I bought my first house when I was a couple months shy of being 20 years old, so I've always had real estate in my blood, and I've made a lot of low-end mistakes, and it forced me to focus on the higher end. And I get it. People have got to start out wherever and work their way up. But my best advice is a theory that I call bad. You buy once for the B, A for appreciation. We'll talk to that. And then D is for debt reduction. So when you buy once, you're either going to pay fair market, below market, or above market. It's going to happen once and that's it. And then let's skip over to A for a second and go to debt reduction. Debt reduction is going to take a while, whether it's 15-year mortgage, 20 or 30 it's going to be a long road, and sometimes you're not going to see that debt reduction kick in until five or seven years down the road. So what I've really focused on is appreciation, and naysayers can say, hey, it could be up and down, it could be a bubble economy, but 
what I'm focused on is tremendous school districts in a town called South Lake, Texas, where there's no multifamily, there's no duplexes, there's no easy way in. And because of that, my high-end residential properties have appreciated tremendously the A for appreciation. But my houses almost act like the apartments in that town because there is no multifamily. And so that's something that I've done a little bit different than most is really focus on great school districts. I'm convinced that my lovely wife makes more of the real estate decisions than most guys do, and wives want great school districts to raise their kids in. Yeah, and being from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I'm familiar with South Lake Carroll or South Lake, and it's one of the top high school football programs in the state, and usually with that comes a very nice area, and that is the case with South Lake. So this is one of the top five high-end areas in Dallas-Fort Worth probably in terms of just overall net worth or affluency. So let's talk about the numbers on a typical deal. Will you give us specific numbers for a deal? Yeah. So I bought a while ago. There's a beautiful outdoor mall called Town Center that was being built. And I can't play guitar, but I've got vision. And I could see what that was going to be like afterwards. And once that mall was going to be done, I knew that the properties were going to shoot up because it's such a beautiful high-end place. So I'll give you an example of the first one I did there. It was a 322 for 169000 with a pool. And now that house is probably worth four and a quarter. So the appreciation in the area has just been tremendous. And you have an unfair advantage, Joe, the, the fact that you know this area. But there's about three affordable pockets. And everything else is 800 to many, many millions. So having these houses that are now about 400 k that fly off the market and rent instantly, it's been one of the things I've done real well. I've had a lot of strikeouts on lower-end property while I was waiting for them to appreciate slowly getting debt reduction, and it just made me focus more on the high end. I'm fortunate that I have other businesses and other streams of income. In the beginning, I was not positive. I was negative 100 or 200 a month per house. Now I'm positive on everything, and there's a ton of equity in it. And some people are in a position to do that, and I understand that. But if you think about it, if you had a two hundred forty thousand dollars house and you were two hundred bucks a month positive, that's twenty four hundred a year. Now, if you had that same house and it went up one percent, that's twenty four hundred also. But if it went up three percent, then that's triple the twenty four hundred. And that's where I've built wealth, and that's where I've done things a little differently. And I've got another concept that we're done discussing this that I think is unique to your listeners. Yeah, we'll talk about that one in a second. Let's still talk about this: one hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars house, three bedroom, two bath in South Lake. When did you buy that? That was about 06. So 06. Really? 06. All right. I was figuring maybe like 09, but 06, still on the way up, you bought it. Yeah, absolutely. I've got numerous examples of stuff anywhere between 170 and 240, but we don't have a time machine. We can't go back in time on that deal. But if listeners are thinking about an area, just try to go towards the better school district. If you can kick up a little bit more on a house in a better area, those great school districts just seem to hold value and, and appreciate a lot better than other things. Mm-hmm. As far as the buy once goes, does that mean that you never sell? Yeah, my horizon now is forever. So when people say, hey, might have been a little bit of a run up, well, I'm holding on forever on my deals now. And how I have an equity moment. It's just refinancing. I haven't refinanced anything up until this year. I just pulled off 300000 tax-free on a small little refi. And I really didn't have a purpose for the money, so I didn't want to take too much equity off. 
But for the first time ever, I did slice off a little bit. And quite honestly, I haven't done much with it, just some nice vacations. And it's it's really just kind of sitting there. But that's how I had my equity moment. I hate selling anything. I'm not a flipper. I feel like if I can make 20 grand today, I could probably make 100 grand a decade from now. So I'm a buy and hold guy through and through. Are you still buying in South Lake? To give you an example, I looked at one yesterday that was a 322 and it was 315. And it's part of Grapevine that funnels into South Lake, but it goes to that same great school district you've talked about. And it just didn't feel right, but that's what I'm at now price-wise to get more houses is you're between three and 400,000 for the same type of houses. Actually a little step down currently. So it makes it hard for the numbers to work because rent on that 315 is going to be around two or 2200. So it barely makes sense. It's a little negative on that. So what are you going to do? I'm looking at the north part of North Richland Hills because it's tucked up against South Lake and Keller, and they've got a good school district there. So I can drop down into that area at like 220, 230, and I think I'll have a nice little run up on that. When you say tremendous school districts, do you go somewhere to look at the ratings? Yeah, South Lake Carroll, you alluded to is top five in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's actually top five in the state of Texas. There's 1,221 independent school districts in the state of Texas and South Lake is ranked number five. So one is the school district, but the second thing is the restriction. Like South Lake, you can't build on anything less than a half an acre of land. So now you're restricted by the dirt. There's no multifamily, there's no duplexes. So the city's really got cranked down the barrier of entry. And like anything, if there's scarcity, there's gonna be more value and greater chance for appreciation. So I just locked in on South Lake, and now the numbers are to the point where I gotta find something similar to South Lake, and I believe that's Keller, Texas, or North Richland Hills, Texas, uh, the north part of North Richland Hills. Well, I love hearing you say Keller, Texas, because we closed on an apartment community in Keller, Texas, like three months ago. So Good that for makes, you. Keller's yeah. great. <laughs> that puts a big smile on my face. I think I missed the website that you go to. Where do you go online to look at the ratings? I Googled it, and quite honestly, I don't know exactly what the website is, but it's something that I looked at years and years ago, but living here, you knew that it was a great district, but yeah, you, I really don't know where you would go today. So okay. I'm sorry, that isn't the best advice ever. Okay, that's fine. You live in the area, so you just know it's different for an outsider who doesn't live there going to a resource, but quite frankly, an outsider who doesn't live there should be talking to someone like you and should be doing third-party research, but the best resources are people who are living there and know the area versus what some website says. Sure. And the other thing that I feel good about is the proximity to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. You're 10 minutes away. So there's three major middle-of-the-country airports, Denver, Chicago, and Dallas. And two of those three tend to have a little bit of snow. So I just feel like the Dallas area is going to hold its value because you're in the middle part of the country. If you're a guy in outside sales, you're 10 minutes from the airport. you got a great school district for your kids. I don't see it ever going backwards. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've talked about your bad strategy or theory, buy once, buy for appreciation, which goes against what I always want to do, which is buy for cash flow and goes against what most people, but ideally I want to buy for cash flow and then force appreciation through some value add components. And then if we get natural appreciation, then we'll high five each other. But you take a different approach and that's the beauty of real estate. So we're similar. I have tremendous positive cash flow now. I just didn't right away. Right. And I could have bought in a less good area 
and the stuff wouldn't appreciate it. But the other thing is you're a lot younger than me. So I'm holding for forever and I am positive, but I had other businesses that offset break even little negative, little positive in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But think about it. You know how to buy for positive cash flow as a ton of the uh, podcast listeners know how to do. And I do also, but I chose to try to ride the appreciation ride and have a different set of challenges. When we don't get a check on time, people are calling us up or emailing us going, Hey, you didn't deposit our check. I've had some really positive stuff in lower end areas where I'm chasing money. So I guess it's what challenges or what opportunities do you want with the real estate that you're going to own? Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. There's going to be a challenge regardless of what you buy and how you buy it. It's just what challenges do you want to have? What is your threshold when you look at a property that is losing money, but you see a good long-term play in terms of what are you willing to lose in the short run to potentially gain in the long run? Two to three hundred bucks is where my threshold's been pretty much um, my, a, month. a month. Yeah. So I'm willing to lose a couple thousand bucks a year on something that I feel like is growing more than a couple thousand bucks or I see some long term value on it. I just think the quality, quality stuff, it's gonna be hard to get a great piece of property in a great area and not have to pay fair market and you control $175 million worth of real estate. So you have a different point of view. And if you're listening to someone, you probably should listen to you versus me. I'm just giving a different way for the listeners to think about something. Some people might not care about $50 or $100 bucks positive, but they really get excited about the fact that that property could grow 20 30 40%. South Lake last year grew 20% alone. Mm -hmm. So if you had $5 million worth of real estate there, you made a million dollars. So I'm not really worried if I was plus or minus a couple hundred bucks a decade ago because the bigger picture has really worked out. And the naysayers can say, hey, maybe it won't appreciate. Yeah, it might not. And the you know, stock might not go up, but I think long-term quality always endures. How do you finance these? Back in the day, I bought a lot of them during the subprime payday with traditional mortgages. Then recently, I rolled up 15 properties and took a 20-year note, and that's when I grabbed some equity. I rolled up 15 properties. I owe 1.8, and they're worth over $5 million. And what I ended up doing, that tossed another 300 on a cash out. So now I owe 2.1 on stuff to $5 million. And that goes against everything that normally I'm Mr. Leverage up. Let me get to 80 or 75%, whatever the bank will get me. But I've also got a line of credit off of that. And so now when I buy something, I just toss it into the original loan and then refresh the line of credit. And I use a local bank here. And the challenge for me right now is the market's so hot to find something I really want that somewhat works is a little bit nuts. Everything's going 10 plus offers, full money or more. It's, it's a pretty hot market for us right now. What bank do you use? What local bank? Providence Bank in South Lake, Texas. Okay. Makes sense that they're based in South Lake. Well, what's great is they have two branches. And so they appreciate and understand the area they're in. And they're a smaller bank that likes to play ball and they see the value of the community they're in. All right. Let's talk about the other strategy that you alluded to. Tell us about what you're talking about. Okay. My wife is a real estate agent and she became one out of frustration because when you're leasing out properties, an agent typically makes 25% on each side. So let's say that we're taking a $2,000 rental, the listing, if you want to call it that, agent is making $500, and then the person bringing the client's making $500. Well, when a real estate agent literally can make 10 to 12 times more money selling a house, they don't get too enthused about getting a client in there real quick for a measly $500. 
So we realized at the time when we had traditional mortgages that every, every time that house was empty a month, it's a $2,000 click. So we're like, we got to do something different. So she became a real estate agent. And this also feeds into my theory of higher end properties. So I think we'd all agree that eventually every renter eventually leaves. So why not make a 3% pop on the way out? So what we do is we got this term we call buy from me, tear up your lease for free. So when our renters want to leave or move on, we're going to try to sell them a house and let them out of their lease at any time that they want. So they don't have to worry about trying to time the perfect house with the ending of their lease. And this year, my wife has sold three houses with a total value of about $2.5 million combined on the three houses. So say 3% of that, that's $75,000 minus 20% she pays for a broker. But that's our whole philosophy for continuing to buy higher end rentals because it creates a revenue stream off of basically our savings or our long-term goal of having these houses. So that's a different strategy and it's another way of making a revenue stream off of your portfolio. Yes, I want to make sure I caught that. Buy for me and tear up your lease for free, right? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Right. So they are renters with you. When they want to buy, they can exit out whenever they want as long as your wife represents them and gets the 3% commission. Exactly. What that does is, let's say the renter's best friend or sister or family member is a realtor. That's great. But their family member or best friend cannot get them out of their lease. (laughs) And the rule, you kind of block them out that way. But then the other great thing about it is they can relax. They're not, oh my God, my lease is coming up in June. I got to buy something by July 1 and hopefully don't live in a pod, have all my stuff in a pod and live in an extended stay. So it's a way of making a revenue stream off that. Now, if you think about it, if I had lower end rentals, chances are some of those folks might never qualify, might never buy a home. But on the higher end rentals, it creates this whole other revenue stream. And quite honestly, I've talked to a lot of folks where the husband's not on board or the wife's not on board in real estate investing. This makes for a real happy family when the wife can get a pop or the husband while you've got your long-term goals set in place. That's genius. Is there a out clause for them should your wife, for whatever reason, not that she would, but drag her feet and it's been 12 months and they've been wanting to buy, but she's just not responding to emails or whatever. And again, she wouldn't do that, but I'm just trying to think. You, you don't know my wife. She's a Texas tech grad. I know, I know. I, she would never do that, but yeah, it's, no, a, it's no, a lawyer in me. No, Joe, great question. And it's a fair question. It's not a fair last question. It's a fair question. So <laughs> what is, it's a traditional 12-month lease. So we're still doing a 12-month lease. So let's say that they don't find a house or my wife is horrible at responding. After 12 months, they're out of their lease just like they would be with any other lease. But what makes our lease special, different, and better for them is the fact that they can get out of it. And trust me, when they're looking to buy a 600000 or a $1.2 million house, which both of those occurred this year, my wife's all over it. Mm-hmm. She uh, likes nice purses and fancy shoes, so you don't have to worry <laughs> about a phone call. Okay, I get it. If they are in month 11 of their lease and they have one month left, then technically she has one month to solidify the relationship and work with them to either find the place or be entrenched enough where they won't go with another agent. That or just re-up. Okay, right. so you know what? This has been easy. No property taxes. Y'all have taken care of everything. We'll re-up. So, They can always re-up. So it's very much like a traditional lease. There's nothing different except for we can get you out if you want to go buy a house. And quite honestly, at the higher end, these people have 700 plus beacon scores. They might have just moved to the area, want to get a feel for the town for a year and then decide to buy it. We get a ton of that. 
So it's just a different caliber of renter. But one of the big challenges is trying to explain to them what a renter does and what a landlord does, because most people haven't rented since college. You have people that sold a house in New Jersey and came down. They're not used to renting. They're used to being a homeowner. And so it's a great transition for them, and it's a real good thing for us. Mm. That's beautiful. What a fascinating strategy and makes a lot of sense. Something that I think every landlord who is self-managing, who also has a real estate license should put in their lease. That should be in there for everyone. It's not handcuffing them. It kind of is, but more importantly, it's giving them the flexibility to break the lease and they're going to bring an agent on anyway. So let's see if they can find something within the lease period. And Joe, we've had it the other way where people have a friend or a strong relationship with the realtor. They fulfill their lease and they go buy a house with their friend. No problem. That occurred to us for the first 15 years of doing this until we kind of wised up about three, four years ago and thought, hey, there's an equity moment potentially on our long-term plan of buying and holding and appreciation. Like this year alone, like I said, it's been about 75000 worth of commission. So you got a lot of listeners out there that have wives that are trying to raise children and having to go to a job and put kids in daycare, wouldn't it be nice to work your portfolio for another stream of revenue? And when I look at your podcast, I love that you basically said, hey, what do you do differently than anybody else? And get to it pretty quick. And mine is bad, buy the good stuff. And then the second thing is buy from me, Terrapilis for free. All right. We've already talked about these two concepts. So feel free to pick one aspect of either of the concepts or if you got something else, that's cool too. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? High quality. Yeah. You're never going to regret it. You've got 153 doors. Let's move the high-end residential properties aside. You've got 19 of those, I believe. What's the other stuff that you have? Four apartment complex in rural Kentucky. Not where you're at, but more Central City, Greenville area. And uh, because I owned another business up there, I bought up there. But as we all know, in 09 and 10, everything just went to a screeching halt. So I no longer was able to buy residential properties. In fact, I looked at a guy that had a bunch of residential properties kind of with a, with a little hairy eye, like how did that happen? So that's when I started buying multifamily and I also wanted to grow faster. Just like you, I'm a huge fan of good debt. If you got good debt, it's cash flowing and other people are paying it down, I want as much as I can. So I bought through the years four small apartment complexes, 24 unit, 27, 48, and a 24 with a trailer park on it. And Quite honestly, it cash flows good. It was good. It's just my challenge was, and I'm sure your listeners are much better than I am at it, it was hard to manage something 750 miles away. And it was at a price point where you just had some challenges that were just tough. And so uh, I'm in the process of selling those units now. I'm happy that I'm going to have an equity moment on it. And I'd rather just have that money closer to home on the higher end. And so that's where I'm at in the multifamily. Not to say anything bad about it. It's just, I didn't do a good job at it. And I'm much better at the high-end resi. And I think sometimes in real estate investing, you got to realize who you are and, and who you aren't. And that's a great deal for someone else. It's just, I'm looking forward to transitioning out of it just because it's been challenging to manage from that far away. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, bud. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. 
Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com. Best ever book you've read? Got to be Keith Kiyosaki, Cashflow Quadrant. Best ever deal you've done? The first house I bought in South Lake. Okay. That was the beginning of many, many more. Yep. What is a mistake you've made on a transaction? When I was real young, I didn't get an inspection. And I bought a property that had major leaks, sewage problems. And so I will always get inspections. It's money well spent. Best ever way you like to give back? All the time, man. A community storehouse, which is a food bank in Keller, and a safe haven woman's shelter in Fort Worth. I'm extremely charitable. What's the best ever way the listeners can get a hold of you or learn more about what you got going on? I'm lucky that a lot of people help me along the way. I'll be more than happy to communicate or email or text or talk to anyone. KimChiner.com, there's a couple free things there. I've got a poster, 25 Habits of a Future Millionaire. It's just to help people focus on what I feel it takes to get to that level. And I also wrote a book, 50 Things They Didn't Teach You in School. 100% of the money goes to the food bank. And it's just trying to help young people, like buy used cars, send thank you notes, be charitable, just ideas like that. Pretty quick, easy read. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that myself. Well, Tim, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about concepts that... I haven't come across before in this way. And that says something considering I've interviewed over a thousand real estate investors. And I always love coming across different approaches that are working. And there's pros and cons to any type of approach that we take in real estate. And we talk through that. Your bad strategy, the buy once, buy for appreciation in tremendous school districts and bonus points if there's restrictions on the type of multifamily builds that can be done there, and then debt reduction, the D. So buy once appreciation and debt reduction bad, as well as the other strategy, buy from me and tear up your lease for free. It's got a nice ring to it, and it makes a lot of sense. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for all you do. I really appreciate your efforts and all you do for us. My pleasure, and tell your wife, guns up. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a great day. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.